Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I think we were the number one counterfeited brand next to Louis Vuitton. Welcome to episode 49 of The Great Fail, a podcast that examines the greatest success stories and their spectacular fails, what led to the demise of the most prolific people, brands, and companies. I am your host, Deborah Chen, and this week we'll be looking at Von Dutch. It was Friday night, February 4th, 2005, when the police received a frantic 911 call. Someone reported a homicide that occurred at an apartment in Venice Beach, California. The victim was 29-year-old former gang member Mark Anthony Rivas, who had gotten into an argument with his longtime friend and roommate, Robert Bobby Vaughn, over a girl. The dispute led to Vaughn firing multiple gunshots at Rivas after Rivas, in a tequila-fueled rage, broke a bottle and stabbed Vaughn in the face. Although it initially didn't break as a major news story, the world was about to find out that Vaughn was a former gang member, a convicted felon, and co-founder of the wildly successful and sought-after cult-following clothing brand Vaughn Dutch. Welcome to the story of Von Dutch. From price tag to toe tag. Do you remember Von Dutch? I certainly did, back in the early 2000s when you were seeing everyone on TV, in the streets, wearing the ubiquitous trucker hats in every style imaginable. The line of denim that brought us the classic low rise, sometimes flared, sometimes frayed at the hem, sometimes with tons of bling, but never without the iconic Von Dutch stamp logo. That uniquely distinctive font bore the cool culture Americana aesthetic. 
What made the brand so appealing were its roots, like an homage to the iconic staple blue-collar workwear, but ironically transcending into mainstream pop culture and L.A. Hollywood reconstruction. I remember growing up in New York City shopping in Soho as a teen and walking by the Von Dutch store, finding the brand so intriguing. And although I could never get myself to drop a hundred bucks for a Von Dutch cap, it never stopped me from going inside the store and looking anyway. And then all of a sudden, this designer brand became, well, diluted, where even the most unsuspecting types of people were seen wearing it. And by that, I mean an old man on his walking cane in Chinatown's Canal Street or someone else who didn't seem like they would be the archetype for that brand. And that's when I realized what had happened. They were all wearing the knockoffs. And then from that, the brand just kind of disappeared. But the story of Von Dutch isn't just about rhinestones and ripoffs. It was a story about deception, betrayal, murder, and a scandal that would serve as an epitaph to its tombstone. It was 1999, a simpler time back then, and the Y2K loomed over the entire nation, bracing for the year 2000 with its many unknowns. There was still so much optimism that energy that was encapsulated in art, design, music, and fashion. In 1999, The Sopranos got their start on HBO. R&B artist Lauryn Hill won multiple Grammys with her album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. On the big screen, Shakespeare in Love won an Oscar for Best Picture over Saving Private Ryan, shocking many. Carlos Santana collaborated with Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20, topping the charts with the song Smooth. And Napster was born, setting off millions of illegal downloads. And the biggest stars were Drew Barrymore, Jason Biggs, Puff P. Diddy, and It Girls, Britney Spears, and Paris Hilton, who were just beginning to discover the Von Dutch brand. At the heart of the story were three men, Ed Boswell, Mike Cassell, and Bobby Vaughn. The origins of Von Dutch trace back to the 1950s when a mechanic, gunsmith, car detailer by the name of Kenneth Kenny Robert Howard started making art under his pseudonym Von Dutch. He painted pinstripes and flames and eyeballs on vintage classic cars and motorcycles etching designs into pocket knives and putting his art on oil and canvas. He wasn't a Basquiat, but he was popular enough to have had fans, fans that included LA-based art collector Ed Boswell. And so when Howard passed away in 1992, Boswell began eyeing his work. It wouldn't be until four years later, 1996, when Michael Cassell convinced Howard's daughters to sell the rights to the Von Dutch name. Now, Cassell was a former drug dealer who had just gotten out of jail after serving a four-year sentence. And he and his prodigy, young Bobby Vaughn, a surfer-turned-entrepreneur, decided to take on Von Dutch and turn it into a company using Howard's signature as the trademark. 
the three men had the vision of creating the next iconic denim line with a flair of punk rock Americana. However, Cassell and Vaughn had seen Boswell as a third wheel, and like a gangster, they found a way to push him out. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The first few years were rough, and they were constantly strapped for cash, making zero dollars from day one. And by the year 2000, it continued to be in dire need of funding. So Cassell and Vaughn brought in Danish entrepreneur, Tony Sorensen. This proved to be a pivotal decision, not only for the brand, but for the fate of Cassell and Vaughn, which we'll learn about later. Sorensen not only invested in the brand, but he also ran it, taking the helm as CEO. And from there, things escalated pretty quickly. Sorensen hired French fashion designer Christian Audiger to take the designs to the next level. And boy, did it work. Here's Caroline Rothwell Gerstein, who worked at Von Dutch from 2001 to 2004 as VP of Global Marketing. I think the brand was so successful because it really appealed to the world of entertainment at the time. And by that, I mean, there were a lot of people who were actors or singers, musicians. And, you know, prior to me coming out to California, I'd been on an independent record label and, you know, had dated people within the industry. And there was a certain style and attitude and appreciation for certain types of fashion that was dedicated to American culture, throwback to icons in American history on film. They seemed to just gravitate to it. And because there was so much attention to detail and authenticity with the brand, there was something about it that resonated. You see, Audiger understood the power of influencer marketing and got with all the hottest celebrities, sometimes fitting them personally. You had Jay-Z and Madonna. Ashton Kutcher wore his Von Dutch trucker hat on his hit MTV show, Punked. And Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie almost only exclusively wore Von Dutch gear on the first season of their hit TV show, The Simple Life. And when Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake had that very public breakup that made national news, what was she wearing on the cover of People magazine? Yes, that's right, a Von Dutch trucker cap. It was like a celebrity magnet. You know, I could see it when I would be in the store. You know, there would be a lot of 
just locals that lived in the neighborhood that were celebrity that enjoyed coming in and were able to be anonymous. They could come in and just play a game of pool and get fitted for tour or, you know, shop or get a custom pair of denim made. I remember one day, you know, like even Cameron Diaz came in and we, you know, I was working with Manny and with Michael and we had a pattern made in the back. I don't even know if there's any photos of her wearing Von Dutch denim. It was much more of a community. It was very much under the radar, a place they could be anonymous and just get something a little more special than, you know, a mainstream collection that you would see in a mall or in a store that everyone would wear. Von Dutch's popularity was so tremendous that in 2003, the company was raking in $33 million in sales from their jackets, their denims, t-shirts, and hats. On the outside, everything seemed to be trucking along. But behind the scenes, things were far from the simple life. When we started to see the brand getting momentum and the beginnings of a cult brand. So basically, you know, a cult brand is when the product, even though it's small, its customer base is so loyal that they almost bridge on like being fanatics. They're not as like traditional as other brands. And so what we were seeing through management to me, from my perspective was a bit of a divide on how to manage such a brand. There's no manual on being the next, you know, cult brand or being the next brand with explosive growth, especially when the identity of the brand was so unique and the products were so unique. I think one side of management, you know, about maybe six months after I came in and started working with them to build the retail stores, the sales volume and just getting volume up and systems in place and then moving into GM role. When Chris John had come in, you know, we really could see he knew the denim market in a sense where he could scale production and he kind of knew what we needed to do but when you're starting to scale you sometimes have to compromise certain things and so you know Michael was not one to compromise those details so we were constantly having to have those negotiations sometimes they were hard sometimes they were soft sometimes we could negotiate on what the next steps would be so right in there in those moments is where it gets to be a little difficult Despite the success, Cassell and Vaughn didn't like Audigé's design direction and were afraid that the brand was selling out and getting too mainstream and commercialized with their logos. I do think that at some point, in order to keep up with the growth, the use of the logo just started getting used more and more and more. Obviously, to keep up with creating new denim designs. You know, I think at one point we had 13 different styles. You know, at one point we had to just pick the top eight. And then, you know, people were asking for customization and putting hand-sewn patches, you know, very old school kind of looking vintage pieces into the garments. Some of those things, you know, we couldn't scale it. So I think the demise really came between management when it was the feeling of giving away the specialness of the brand and just, you know, mass producing logo driven pieces to feed the demand of the market. Cassell and Vaughn wanted to let Audigé go. 
Sorensen, however, had other plans. After all, in his mind, he had been the lead investor that made the brand, and now he was the man in charge. He plotted to oust Vaughn by sneaking him contracts to sign away his ownership unbeknownst to him, and then later doing something similar to Cassell, eventually leading him to becoming sole owner of the multi-million dollar brand. With both Vaughn and Cassell screwed, tensions emerged between each other and towards Sorensen. It was so bad that Cassell went as far as hiring Pablo Escobar's grandson to strong-arm Sorensen, threatening him to sell back his stake in the company. Sorensen refused. And then Vaughn tried to threaten Cassell into selling his shares of the company to him. With the betrayal and feuding as the backdrop to the late 2000s, Von Dutch and its business began to crumble, facing a serious decline. And then they got hit with something they were not expecting, the counterfeits. We were working with all types of law enforcement agencies on the regular, just trying to protect the trademark and to uncover any kind of counterfeit production operations, making sure that merchandise was destroyed and didn't make it to market because it really just throws the whole business completely out of whack. I think we were the number one, I don't know which year, counterfeited brand next to Louis Vuitton, which is pretty mind-blowing when you think about that for just a small startup brand coming out of Los Angeles. But it was on a level that the enforcement agencies, they hadn't seen anything like that. And I would have to go and meet with them and authenticate certain products you know, is this an authentic Von Dutch item? Is this a counterfeit item? And we would have to go through piles. This oversaturation further decimated what was seemingly an untouchable celebrity brand, where now Von Dutch was seen on just about anyone, anywhere, and no longer special or unique, eventually earning a coin term, Von Douche. <laughs> As the brand struggled to cast out its PR crisis, another nail hit the coffin, setting it to its final demise. Remember that original co-founder, Boswell? Well, turns out he never got over the fact that he was ejected from the company right before they hit jackpot. And out of revenge, he released a letter that showed Kenny Howard, the actual Von Dutch, was anti-Semitic and a full-on racist. And in his letter stated that he had, quote, always been a Nazi, end quote, along with some other unsavory language. Though Howard had nothing to do with the fashion line, what was left of Von Dutch and Von Douche could no longer be salvaged. After Sorensen cut off Bobby Vaughn from Von Dutch, Vaughn found himself in a dark place, vengeful, getting back into the streets and reconnecting with longtime friend, felon, and gang member, Mark Rivas. But things took a turn and ended tragically in February 2005, when Vaughn was arrested on charges of first-degree murder after shooting and killing him in their Venice Beach apartment. A year later, he was acquitted after claiming self-defense by a jury that ruled it justifiable homicide. 
So what were the lessons here? And how can we learn to ensure brand longevity after it has reached mass market appeal? You know, in terms of the longevity of a cult brand, some are better at it than others. It definitely comes down to capital. It definitely comes down to infrastructure, just like any any business. But I do think with Von Dutch, you know, the further we went away from California culture and car culture and more towards mainstream, you start to lose your brand identity as you move further and further away from, from that core audience. So I think there was a little bit of that push-pull that was happening for the brand. And could things have been done differently? Von Dutch never seemed to really mature quickly enough. The demand just seemed to cripple them before they were able to get their legs. And, you know, with some of the other companies, you know, whether it's someone like Tesla or Peloton, or, you know, these companies that are just huge cult brands, it's the product that they're delivering and it is, you know, satisfying a real need among a group of customers that really believe that this is like the best brand for them. And they just identify with it. So I think, you know, for us back in the day, I think if we, you know, had taken a hard position on exactly who that customer was and making sure that we kept that loyalty intact, and I think slowing down the growth a little bit really could have helped the business. As entrepreneurs, our jobs are to find that North Star, that lightning in a bottle to bring an idea to life. It's one thing to have success and reach an audience. It's another to make it last. Many factors from marketing to operations to innovation are what keeps brands alive. In this case of Von Dutch, feuding partners took focus off the scale and growth of operations going in all different directions and only to end up in flames. Kind of like the ones from their trucker caps. Special thanks to Caroline Rothwell Gerstein for her contributions to this episode and sharing her experience in working with the iconic fashion label Von Dutch. And thank you for tuning in this week to The Great Fail, a program that spotlights some of the most infamous case studies of failed businesses, brands, and ideas, and goes beyond that to garner lessons and wisdom so that we all can learn from the greatest mistakes. The Great Fail is part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. The research on each episode is extensive, but none of these episodes would be possible without the tireless efforts of researchers, writers, and reporters. They are all credited on thegreatfail.com under our show notes. Connect with us at The Great Fail on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that we can continue bringing you more episodes. And remember, with great failure comes great liability. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.